0: Hey there, welcome everyone. I don't think we've ever let the song go all the way to the finish. Uh that's what you get to hear this week on a very special episode of Because Cannabis produced by Wayward Media, the end of the intro song. It's like the end of the rainbow. What do you find at the end of the rainbow? A pot of gold. What do you find at the end of the overly produced random track that we chose from StreamYard to intro our podcast? These two shiny beautiful faces every <laughs> Wednesday at 4:20 p.m. on YouTube. Brand new episodes of Because Cannabis from Wayward Media or Every Thursday, video podcast on Spotify and anywhere that your little ears listen to uh podcast audio. I got a quick question. I had a whole intro planned and I'm gonna get to that in a second. Dustin Kava, I'm BC Wayman. How you doing? First of all, Dustin, I should give you a moment to introduce yourself. What's up, sir?
1: Oh, it's been a beautiful week. It's I'm I'm doing great, man. I am I am I'm stoked about today's show. I'm, the week has been good. <laughs>
0: Brilliant insight as always. Uh, I feel like the color guy in major league here Dustin right now. Uh you just really hung me out to dry there. I had a whole bit plan I was thinking through it and you just came through like a stellar champ. That's the magic. That's the chemistry. That you turn that you subscribe for really that's what you hit subscribe uh we would appreciate that hit us a follow on spotify uh and whatnot i actually forgot my pre-bit that i was going to do so let me go back to the original thing uh dustin i teach at the cleveland school of cannabis you know this uh, you're familiar with that uh and we have these projects that students do uh, and i think and i float sometimes you know academia has had this conversation we really haven't broached it at the institution that uh, i work with but now I think I'm going to have to. I believe I have been my first man. Easy for me to say. I believe I have received my first AI-created final project, Dustin. I think (laughs) someone pulled some shenanigans on me. It was too beautifully written. The mission statement, they put together this whole pitch uh, for a, a company at the end. It's a whole thing, like a shark tank kind of thing. I think it was crafted sleekly, all the fine words. I, the most beautifully written mission statement like a marketing agency vomited it out of their intern is what actually i saw on screen (laughs) but well done well done i lacked a little creativity uh we are advocates dustin of the ai i feel like that's on record now when the terminators take over they're like you bro supported them we are currently in 2023 advocates of ai until it takes over but right now dustin and i are both pro chat gtp pro You know, using artificial intelligence. Uh, Are you shocked, Dustin, that it took this long for someone to fake create a company? (laughs) It isn't really cheating because if you worked for a marketing agency, you'd probably have AI create your stuff for you. Uh, If I was in your class, it would have happened a lot earlier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To be honest, man, I. Every ounce of what I've seen from firsthand experience and every ounce of what I've read from documentation that has come after the fact. Uh, it is not necessarily helping the boys at the top, but it is certainly helping all the underwriting occupations underneath. It's taking the middle ground and making them better or making shitty people better than they were. And I think that You know, it's actually a revolutionary revolution in white collar type of shit. I think it's a great equalizer now where the guy who is super specialized using this guy who is super specialized and the best at what he does when he uses AI, he incrementally gets better. But when a shitty person uses AI, he's about just as good as the specialized person at the most part.
0: That is an interesting observation. I don't know if I've accurately gone with the. It really uh, equalizes is what a top-level, highly educated, highly trained person can do and gives it back to the masses. I didn't really go that deep. I thoroughly thank you for your really deep insight. Uh, before we bring our guest in today, and we're super excited to talk with Natasha Andrews Esquire, uh, we're going to have a wonderful conversation. We've spoken with her before on our 420 special, uh, an author in the Courage Cannabis books, uh, the National Association of Black Cannabis Lawyers, the founder, executive, CEO. Like We're really excited. They have some great conversations. Uh, but Dustin, I feel like if we get a complaint from our viewers. Uh, it's that our intros are a little long and a little rambling. They're not rambling. We we craft this, people. I know it may not seem that way. Uh, so I went today to ChatGTP, and I asked it to write us a show opening. So we're going to break the fourth wall. Dustin and I have a show sheet. We share it between us. Go to the show sheet. You're in blue. I'm in red. We are going to – don't. I'm not i I'm not going to take this bit far enough to replay the music, but I feel like I should. But here's what ChatGTP would like me to say for today's show, Dustin. <laughs> Welcome, cannabis enthusiasts, advocates, and curious minds to another exciting episode of Cannabis Law and Disorder from Wayward Media. I'm your host, BC Wayman, with Dustin Kava, and just like a perfectly rolled joint, we are here today to unpack the highs and lows of the evergreen world of cannabis law. From the legal labyrinth to the smoky haze, we'll be guiding your light through the complexities of cannabis regulations and sometimes highly questionable tales of enforcement. I feel like I really put some overemphasis on that. But you feeling that, Dustin? I, f- I actually feel, I feel like they kind of captured my essence. <laughs> I feel you know, like that's how I would talk. I would use a lot of weird, stupid big words. I would have alliteration in there. I would totally, if you asked me to write an intro, it would be as sneaky and swarmy. Uh, the more as I that. think
1: about it, is we would have a whole show script like this wrote out. And then I would
0: just come in and, instead of reading the
1: part, just be like, it's been a pretty good day.
0: You would probably not read ahead of time. Well, uh, go, read blue. Read blue. It's probably more in my voice, but read, read, uh, read blue. Let's go. Let's Grab your, your favorite strain.
1: Soon. Settle in and get ready for and ex- get ready to explore the intersection of law and liberty. And well, let's just say herbal creativity, because okay. we're here to bring you straight bring you the straight dope on all things cannabis with a little bit of sprinkle of humor and a dash of wit and maybe even a budding friendship along the way.
0: Uh, So the first question for Natasha Andrews Esquire, she takes a sip of her coffee because she didn't know she was coming in. And one of my favorite things to do is bring a guest in when they're taking a drink or taking a hit or putting in their earbuds. Uh, I saw that moment and I couldn't pass on it. Uh, (laughs) What do you think so far off the rip, Natasha? What does your gut say unscripted kind of flow with the go BC and Dustin or highly scripted, uh, AI written BC and Dustin for the intro. You're the first and only vote that matters I, right now.
2: I vote for unscripted. Yeah. I vote
0: for unscripted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually – so we had a point to get to all this, and as someone who practices law and really excited to talk with Natasha Andrews Esquire, uh, the dot nabcl.com, the National Association of Black Cannabis Lawyers, Courage and Cannabis Author, Courage and Cannabis Volume 2, The Triumphant Stories, available now on Amazon. There's a link in the comments below to buy that book, both Kindle and paperback. Um, it's something that education and academia is – struggling with and dealing with this whole aspect of it uh the 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 ai created content and how do you do it and what's real and what's not which made me realize and i was just reading a case recently about someone who's going to represent them in law uh is that a issue in your world is someone going to chat dtp themselves like represent themselves entirely through ai is that possible
2: without question (laughs) without question i mean
0: is that scary good What, what what does that mean
2: It means more work for us in the long run, right? Because (laughs) we've got to fix and untangle what the non-human element creates, right? Because it is still artificial intelligence. So it's missing that nuance, right? The really important humanity piece of it all. But, I mean, we've already seen it with, with templates, right? The internet has exploded with pseudo attorneys who think that they can draft everything from their own will to their own, mm. you know, prenups to their own, you know, music contracts. I've used challenge.
1: legal Zoom before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the challenge there is uh, I think the concept of templates is lost. Like this is a generic, right? So what you're finding out there may not be relevant to what you're doing at all. Like it might be a music contract, but it might be the type of music contract that Beyonce would get, not the kind of music contract that you and <laughs> your, your boys band in the point. garage would start out with. So without knowing those finer points, it's 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 going to be very interesting though. I mean, it already exists. And in the legal community, we are using it as tools, even as attorneys, there are attorneys that utilize that as a tool, but it's still a little dangerous for the lay person, I would say.
1: <laughs> uh, do you, I mean, it kind of brings up a question about social equity and just discrimination in the fucking court system. There's a part of me that says for those who can't afford a proper represent proper representation in some way, this seems like a very simple tool to convey some messaging in which they may not have been able to do themselves. And so like, I think about highly specialized cases or cases that are, you know, very complicated. And I want to say, yeah, hell no, I do not want a person. I don't want AI dictating my future in that way. And in, in this 1000000 dollars deal, but if I'm fighting a stop sign violation, I might want AI to be able to make some of that argument to me in court um, it might be better than me just being like, well, I didn't see the sign, you know, AI might be like, well, it's not 25 feet away from the curb. And you know, there's, there's plenty of little nuances to it. So, and I, I, I don't know. I, it, do you, would you recommend that your staff use it in any way, or are you adamantly asking those around you to, to stay away, to find a better way, I guess. So it's, It's a
2: catch 22, right? Mm. I think if you recognize that it is a tool, like anything else, and you utilize it as a tool, then you can probably get a lot of success, right? You were talking about equalizing, you probably get a lot of wins that way. But if you lay back and expect it to do all things for you, you're going (laughs) to fail and you're going to fail hard. So Is an AI better than a crappy lawyer? Yes, an AI is probably better than the crappiest of attorneys or the most overworked of attorneys and underpaid of attorneys. Um, it, It could be, but is it better than legal defense by someone who's actually doing their job and certainly doing it well?
1: I don't know. That's a big risk to take. I wouldn't want to take yeah. it and I wouldn't want any of my
0: kids to take it. So, you know, you got to know what don't you Don't worry, dad. I got AI as my lawyer. <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah. going to be okay. Right. My dad would be like, who's Al? What's Al doing? <laughs> <laughs> I got Al. He's right. I text him. I got AI as my lawyer. He'd be like, oh, Al, so you up. Al's a good guy. you get him? I'm like, no. I'm uh, doing that. It's a, uh, it's a weird world we live in, Natasha. We're talking with Natasha Andrews Esquire. Uh, you know, we came to get to know you. Man, I am. Off of my English game today, Dustin, we got to know you through uh, Courage and Cannabis through Dr. Bridget Williams and your contribution to Courage and Cannabis, The triumphant stories. Uh, And we start to get to know you a little bit. Um, I don't want to skip over any uh, bio. So we're terrible at introducing people clearly. So if you want to give yourself a couple of minutes to just give the folks what you do, we got the bio in the comments below. But you can uh, give the short version of who you are there, uh, Natasha, to help us out a little bit.
2: Hey, hats off to you. I think you did a fabulous job. thats I'll start with there. You did a fabulous job. But I am Natasha Andrews Esquire. I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney for the past 25 years. My path to cannabis is a wild ride in and of itself. Hopefully you'll you will read all about it, Encouraging Cannabis Volume 2. Um, but I actually came to this space from the immigration world. So I kind of approach it from a global view and I look at it, you know, from the top looking down, sort of a a big picture view, and I don't get bogged down in the state level view. Um, I think that's really important. I'm super glad that there are people who are grinding in the States to make all of this happen, but I am an adamant believer that someone's got to also look at it from the big picture because we are the United States, and eventually we will get our act together, provided the AIs don't kill all of us and eat our brains. So...
0: (laughs) Uh, Can I just totally uh, was on the subject of AI. I had an AI make my coffee recently. I just spent some time (laughs) in a facility, uh, but this facility had a top notch robot machine. So it's a robot. Literally, it's sitting there and it's counting cups throughout the day. Like it has to keep busy. It has lean techniques or something in the background. It's got to be efficient. So it you put your order in and it makes it all up and then it imprints anything you want, including a picture of yourself into the foam and (laughs) gives it right to you for like three dollars, by the way really cheap price. So shout out to AI made my delicious uh, vanilla (laughs) latte yesterday with a picture of Homer Simpson on the top of it because it was what I chose on the thing. Um, It's a weird world. I feel like that we live in Natasha. We live in this world, you know, where federal cannabis illegality, uh, 23, whatever states it is today, current state legality, municipality, illegality. So it gets really confusing. And I feel like every time you have these conversations with someone who's in your space every time uh, I talk to someone about cannabis and I say, Hey, I work in this industry. The number one question, which is the number one question you get is probably always about, when are we going to legalize and all this and that? I would like to ask your opinion. Cause I've never had someone as smart as you in my, in my space before. So I always tell people that I believe the path to, easier but also better for everyone cannabis legalization is decriminalization which allows states to kind of dictate more of what they do and not have the federal government basically rewrite the rules uh plus i think it's easier uh because i don't is that make sense am i wrong in that is federal legalization better for us for reasons i don't know it's not so much about the when because we can't predict that but i'm always curious on the legalization versus decriminalization debate in if one is better or what your thinking is when it comes to that?
2: I wish I had a straightforward answer, but I wouldn't be an attorney if I had a
0: straightforward (laughs) (laughs) answer.
2: But what I will say is the whole idea of of scheduling is what jumps to mind at first. You know, there's a debate about whether we reschedule or we deschedule. And there are pluses and minuses in that realm. Um, of course, at the end of the day, descheduling to me is the only thing we can do. Uh, you think about your produce. I've never seen a carrot regulated. I go into the store, I buy a carrot whenever I want to. I buy it. <laughs> they regulate them organic to. prices
0: though, <laughs> they're like, yeah, we're gonna make there that go. three dollars more than the carrots you bought down the exactly. street. Like literally exactly. those carrots there are a dollar a pound, and these carrots are six dollars a pound because they're they tell me they're organic. Sorry, exactly.
2: But you've got to think about if we start breaking that down and looking at all the pesticides and all the contaminants and everything that's wrong with our produce, you have to wonder, okay, where is this big brother of it all coming from, right? Because the players at this point have to know that what they're saying isn't true, right? Um, even if they didn't know a year ago, two years ago that it wasn't true, they have to know that they are spewing out talking points that just aren't rooted in reality, um, they're taking from archaic propaganda, they're splicing it with political agenda, they're sprinkling a, a little bit of cannabis, I'm sorry, a capitalism in there, and a little cannabis. <laughs> but they're doing all of these things to kind of get to the answer they want to get to. Um, and so I have a lot of difficulty with the notion of regulating this plant um, yeah. when, when, when we're basing it on things that are either archaic in their, their, where they got them from, or they just are false, Um, So there's that piece of it all. But there is also the fact that for a lot of us, it's like kids in a candy store right now. And if just for Mm. a while longer, I think we need to keep it regulated because this explosion is insane. Here we have hemp and CBD not regulated, and you're finding some of anything everywhere, and everyone has access to it. Some places will kind of make sure you're 18 and above. Some places don't care, as long as you've got money in your hand. There's all kinds of toxins and pesticides and what the heck is Delta Z? You know, it's just, it's scary. And the idea that you will mix capitalistic desire to give you the highest, most concentrated THC with the diminishing return that really doesn't do anything for anyone and and you're gonna have these kids, unsupervised children, just kind of out there doing their own yeah. thing. It's a little it's a little frightening. I think for that reason alone, there should probably be some level of um un, of supervision until we realize, hey, this isn't so cool, mom and dad do it too. And then we kind of calm down and it becomes like any other produce.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: What supervision looks different in a lot of ways. I mean, you could say I owned a smoke shop and you could say that was highly regulated with what words I was allowed to say to what pipes I was being sold, you know, that I had to, there was always a tiptoe in some capacity because of this overarching regulation. But at the end of the day, nobody ever came in my store and made sure that I was doing the right thing ever. You know, if anything, there was... You know, a couple of the cops that were checking the bars next door would come in and be like, oh, I just wanted to see what this place looked like. And it's like, yeah, buddy, it's, you know, there's a $3,000 pipe over there that you didn't really fucking think was going to be here. Um, you, you know, the perception was different, but at the end of the day, nobody was watching. And so my competitors, the people that we did everything right, we went to extra lengths to, to card extra links digitally to confirm identity and age and local and state laws and everything that was combined. But then the guy next to me was, you know, doing whatever the heck he wanted. Um, at what point, at what point do you think regulation actually takes fold that people actually start watching and and making a change to what's happening? Cause at this point it just seems like words.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll be frank with you and say that I absolutely hate what I just had to say. Like, I don't want there to be supervision. I, I choked on it as it was coming up, but I also, as a parent, I know yes. that as much as it pains me to say it, there has been demonstrated proof that people just don't know how to act. We're behaving very badly. Just, Just as a mom, we are behaving very badly. <laughs> And we all need to be on timeout. So it's, yeah. you know, there are the people, there are the there are the kids that are doing their own research and they're writing their own papers and they went to the dictionary in the library and they got a B and they're really upset because someone else's mom paid for some kid in another country to write their essay and they got into Harvard. So there's both of those elements. I think, again, we are just seeing the manifestation of children and adults' bodies, like the behaviors that are out there are just not things that make me feel comfortable and safe. The flip side of that is I want to be able to go into a dispensary and get a product and know that I'm not going to turn around and drop dead. I want to know that it is safe for someone who needs medical care to get a product and they're not going to drop dead because some greedy person out there decided to cut all the corners and do things their own way to bulk up their profit. That's, that's, that should scare people. And it, it does.
1: It scares me. Well, dispensaries it, even scared me. I remember going into Michigan dispensary and I was signing a form before I walked into the back that said none of this product was tested. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. you're the <laughs> licensed person here where I'm supposed to trust you. But at the end of the day, I'm signing a product being like, well, if there's something in it. <laughs> Good luck. You know, yeah. And, and, and I think about my kids and I have three and one of them is going to do it right. One of them is not going to do it at all. And the third one is definitely
0: using AI. So I got the whole mix <laughs> here of like. <laughs> it, and it's a weird thing though, too, because, you know, we, and I'm about to, I'm about the old man on my lawn here for a second. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is, a, you know, so, but, you know, coming up when I grew up, we had our cannabis with dirt weed, whatever you call it, you got what you got. You didn't throw a fit, especially coming up here in Ohio, you had limited access to uh, You either had you know, brown weed or kind, but two terms all you got, but even now you have all this product and as a legal parent and as a responsible parent, I have those conversations sometimes about what mom and dad do. We've had this conversation a lot on our show. So I have those because I'm smoking legit products and good products, but I also have a teenager and I have within a few miles of me stores that sell your Delta Z and those THC alphabets, as I like to call them of things of someone and all three of us in this virtual room are pretty comfortable and confident with our cannabis strains and plant knowledges probably. And there's a new letter every day that I have never heard of or seen. And the issue is that stuff is what every kid who is hopefully at least 18, but let's be honest, I've been to these places. I don't think they card all of them and they're more and more coming and they're not Uh, specialized, like even a smoke shop like Dustin own, where they have maybe vetted products or locally grown products or things even in the United States products. We're talking shipped in from China, all these things, no, even QR codes or use. So that's the stuff that they have access to. And that is why I think, you know, all three of us in some form are pro- some regulations because, like anything, I go to buy drink my coffee or put ketchup on my hot dog. I want to make sure that there's nothing in there that's going to hurt me. So I'm of the side, I've always been for that um, side. But I think that's scary. And I know they fight it, and every state fights it. I would imagine you're anti those regulations, you know, all those THC alphabets. But how do you balance that long winded question with kind of the hemp farmers who are trying to get it in the process and evolution and creating science? Uh, where's that balance between like allowing them to create and play and like is that good for you do you really need delta xyz in your body at 1000 milligrams
2: well i think um it's fun to talk about the alphabet and i at this point i think that uh, cannabis is in competition with covid because just like covid every day there's <laughs> something new that's <laughs> adding to the mix but um I think the balance is home grow, honestly, because when I don't trust what my local grocery store is doing, I have the power to take a seed out of a cucumber, to go buy some seeds that are organic, plant them in the ground, and say, you know what? I'm not playing this game. You guys can beat each other up and you know add hormones to all your stuff and add all of this miracle grow and seedless watermelons. Go for it. But I don't want to play this game because I value what goes into my body. And so mm. I have that ability. And I think that that's probably where balance comes in. It's between the ability to grow on your own, so hands off, right? And education, and I know that's a scary you know, four-letter word. We don't like to learn history. We don't like to learn facts. We just like to make shit up as we go along. <laughs> Excuse
0: my so uh, that is the internet it, these days. It's,
2: it's a it's a dirty, dirty word to say education, but I think it's also <laughs> critical. You know, you can't have an uninformed parent teaching their kid about cannabis. And I'm not begging on the parents, right? I, I too have a gaggle of children. So I know we can't know all things, but we've got to have trusted resources where we get information. We've mm-hmm. got to understand that this isn't new, cannabis didn't just show up. This isn't um, uh, legalization. It's actually re-legalization. This has been here since the dawn of time. And it came with the set. We showed up later so so we have to understand all of those elements and understand that this is something grown out of the ground we can all grow it out of the ground maybe not well but you know it starts there and i think medicine should be its own thing i think kind of the medical part of it should probably have more regulation because i think there's more at stake when you're talking medicine as opposed to recreation but but homegrown is that that made middle ground to me
1: that it makes a lot of sense. I I actually, I can think of every time that, you know, a grower came to me and said, Oh, this is my personal stash. I trusted that a lot more than anything else. But I think about the people who are actually writing these laws and education is not like, it doesn't seem like it seems like science is moving faster than they are able to educate themselves. And they're the ones creating the laws. And I think back to even in, again, the smoke shop age, going back to the bath salts and shit like that, where all they had to do, a regulated law said this couldn't be sold. So all they did was tweak the chemistry by one molecule. And now it's a different, it's a whole different substance. It's part of how we get this cannabis alphabet. And so my question is, 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 is it ever going to work? are they are they fast enough to regulate this? And does regulation just cause them to tweak things to skirt around regulation as opposed to taking away all the regulation and not having having just weed, having just actual THC because that's where the money's at? It just seems it seems counterintuitive when I know I'm making a law and the way that they're going to get around it is not exactly what the law was intended for.
2: And sadly, that's the job of people like me all the time is to teach you how to, how to take what's written as the law and how to fashion it in a way that serves your purpose. Right. I'm huge on transparency. And I don't know if that's to my as uh, if it's an asset or a detriment, but I like to know what I'm dealing with and make my decisions based on that. You talked about will they ever be smart enough and fast enough to keep up with the answer is no. I don't care what they say. I don't care how they try to make it sound pretty. They'll never be fast enough to keep up with the advances in technology. But I think that's the wrong thought process. I don't think they need to keep up to regulate. I think they need to go back because you can't start from here and try to regulate this plan. That's going to always be your failure because you don't understand what the conversation is. You're talking about the future but you don't understand the past. You've got to understand the history of how we got here because it dismantles a lot of the concerns. You know, reformat is it, it dismantles all of that when you understand how we got here, why we got here, and who the players are that benefit from the constant sort of infighting. Understand the players and you understand the game. Then you can play because you've got the rules and you know what you're dealing with.
0: And it's interesting because the reality is without the skirtation of these laws, we wouldn't be able to really have legal CBD. I mean, part of it was this 0.3% in the Agricultural Act of 14. uh, And then obviously with 18, which led to that, but that was because of the realization of maybe I can get this to test under, and they were already working with CBD, but to genetically start to breed plants to get into it. And also that allotment allowed for the rise of industrial hemp and the use of the plant. I was just looking at some beautiful, budless cannabis recently someone sent me a picture of hemp grown with for the industrial purpose of only taking the stalk and stuff and it was weird to see a fully mature plant with zero buds on it like very tiny buds you would throw it away you'd be so mad at it if you spent all that time (laughs) home growing uh for that um real quick i and i want to talk a lot about what you're doing with reform but i have a question for you when uh you advocate home grow as i think dustin and i are both fan of though we live in a state that doesn't allow it and you have then the kind of come back from the cultivators and such who say, well, you know, they get into the taking our profit side in this type of thing. Do you have a retort for the, for the companies who kind of, and let's be real. I think some of them may push a little behind the scenes donor money to not allow home grow in their state. I don't think it cuts into it. The grow your, the brew your own beer industry is a is a, is a nothing compared to real beer and alcohol, right? It's hard. It's hard to waste six months doing something to have it turn out very poorly and be like, Oh, bummer. So do you really think it cuts into it? Do you ever retort when those companies say you're going to cut our profits or do we care about their profits?
2: I, you know, you hit the nail on the head for me. Your agenda is not mine. So my retort is easy. When you demonstrate that you care about my life, I'll demonstrate that I care about oh, yes. your wallet. But until then, <laughs> I really just don't care about your profit. And that's just being very plain. Shit. The fact that a lot of these companies figure that a few deaths, a few injuries, a few people getting harmed that's a small price to pay for the profit in the bottom line tells me that those aren't people who should dictate my agenda and my agenda is nowhere near what theirs is. So I still advocate for home grow because that's about people doing what's best for themselves, protecting themselves. And if that harms your bottom line, then maybe you should reevaluate what you're in the business of doing that simple.
0: I not, that's a hard, that's a hard to follow up. And you ever have like a time, like when people do like mic drop statements and you're kind of like, you want, I'm terrible, right? You just want to, like, if this was like a moment, I think I would, like, if I was on stage, I would let that sit for a second. Like the live audience, you would let what Natasha Andrews Esquire, nabcl.com the evergreen solutions.com all those links are below i would let that resonate well said that's uh uh let's switch gears a little bit we're talking about natasha andrews esquire you can uh take a look at all of the great places she works with the evergreen solutions national association of black cannabis lawyers in the comments below courage of cannabis to triumphant stories you got a great section in there natasha you work a lot Uh, You know, you talked at the beginning of the show, you got into this for immigration, you got into this on a federal level. Obviously, what you're doing with the NABCL is about, you know, trying to make more voices, more equitable voices, more inclusive voices. Some of the volunteer work you do with Last Prisoner Project, you know, getting people uh, in a better space for simple drug possession. And you always hear when states go legal recently, Minnesota was the most recent, though it happens in a lot of states. Illinois was a big number, like 750,000 or 650, something like that where they really push the advocacy, the mass expungements. I feel sometimes I hear cynicism when people say that. They just argue that it's a marketing campaign, but I still say, hey, 30,000, pick the number. People are more free today than they were yesterday. Um, how do you feel? I mean, obviously it's a good thing, but is it enough? Do people just put that on their, uh, legalization bill and say, well, that'll shut them up. Like, how do you feel with the mass expungement? It's obviously great to get people out of the prison system for simple incarceration, uh, for simple possession for those things. Um, but is it right to be cynical on those? Like, how do you feel when States do that?
2: I, I feel terrible that lawyers can never answer questions directly. <laughs> but, <laughs> I <do>. Um, <laughs>
0: It's a true. But see, that's I that's think, part of cannabis though, right? It's a tough thing.
2: Well, yeah. So I think <laughs> that one is too few unless it's the one you want out, right? So oh, yeah. every single person counts and every single person matters, especially if it's if it's your loved one. But at the same time, I feel that we need to be as aggressive and as zealous and as over the top as we were to round people up for smoking plants as we are now to get them out. We cannot mm-hmm. suddenly act as if our hands are tied when our hands were anything but tied when it served a purpose. And it, believe me, it served a purpose. There are people who benefited greatly from the war on drugs. Don't let that ever be twisted. Um, and so that's what's missing. I think sometimes it is. It's the photo op. It's, you know, check out when the lex- next election is coming up if you wanna know the root of that. Um, I, I Again, I'm about transparency. I would rather know that that's what you're doing so that I can assess that and kind of categorize it where it belongs than for you to sort of pat me on the back and act like you're truly trying to do something important. Treat it as if your kid got picked up and was gonna be detained. And all of a sudden you find every reason in the world why, well, this is a good kid with a good background and really shouldn't X, Y, and Z. Treat it like that and you'll find all the difference in the world. You'll find more sincerity in the idea of expungements. I think for us, to continue to grow wealth without an eye on repair is a gross, gross misjustice. And it, <laughs> we cannot tell the world that we are the greatest in the world if that's how we conduct ourselves. And it's, yeah, that's it.
1: From your perspective, what role does the cannabis industry play in kind of addressing these broader societal challenges, um, whether it's something economic or something environmental or even something like personal health, what the cannabis industry always seems to be this holier than thou industry. Look at all these donations we just gave. Look at 16 our-
0: people writing a LinkedIn post right now about all the good work they're doing in sustainable, equitable cannabis industries right now, literally 25 an hour on LinkedIn, but it right, feels right. fake. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I keep thinking back to what actually is the role of this industry? Is it
1: really the role of the industry to propagate this messaging or is it the role of us to kind of dictate what their messaging should be as a consumer, as a patient, as, as anyone else? Um, but I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective on it.
2: I think that there is so much potential in cannabis and it's extremely exciting. Like when you get through the the difficulty and the challenges and all of the the backstabbing and <laughs> all the stuff that's going on. This is a very good soap opera, by the way. But when you get <laughs> past all the, the drama and the intrigue of it all, the potential that cannabis holds to sort of upend everything, to be a complete game changer, to sort of show business how business should and can be done um, is exhilarating. It's extremely thrilling. Um, and I think the cannabis culture, people in the cannabis culture, whether you've been in this space since you were knee high to a grasshopper or you just got here last week. I think the culture of cannabis has to keep doing what it does. It is more friendly, you know. This dangerous drug of ours makes people happy and hungry and sleepy. You know, all the non-threatening dwarves in the Seven Dwarves.
1: <laughs> so
2: it makes people—it makes people that, right? And um, you see so much collaboration, and you see so many people trying to help one another, pushing each other's causes, pe- pushing each other through this whole. Um, space. But then you see a lot of the other elements, right? The things that aren't so great about how we treat one another. And they're trying to dominate in this space. But what I love about the cannabis industry is I don't think they're going to let them because, you know, (laughs) I think we have the power to take our ball and go home. Like if you want to continue to do what you've done to cause division and separation and um, a fear of industry and, a, and an apprehension towards government. If you wanna keep continuing to behave that way, we don't have to participate at all. We had it before you, we'll have it after you. So, I mean, it's that's just the reality. I think we have an opportunity to dictate how they do things if we keep doing what we do, as opposed to letting them dictate how we will do things.
0: It is really interesting as you're saying that I'm trying to picture if cannabis consumers have enough I don't know if it's buying power combined with social power to, I'm going to use the uh, common adverb of the kids these days, bud light the cannabis industry, right? If we have enough power to say uh, a a overly corporate company, I was going to name a company, but I don't want to put anyone blast. You know, an overly corporate cannabis company, pick your overly corporate cannabis company of choice there. Uh, An overly corporate cannabis company who has zero care to work on any sort of equitable level that is really doing nothing but chasing the dollar, not even putting any sustainable activity like they could just clearly care less, like they're trying to get your cash. It feels like right now, so many cannabis consumers and myself included sometimes, and this is what's hard, feel fortunate just to have legal product that the ability to step up and say, you're not a good enough I'm like, <laughs> gosh, I'm just happy you have it. Right now, I'm just at that point is where if you're in a Bud Light in that situation, there is a lot of other alternatives legally for you to get, and it's simple to do. And so it's an interesting conundrum to think about. Like you want them to step up and say, you need to do better. But I feel like so many people are just fortunate, Natasha. I feel like they're just thankful that they have it. And maybe if it's, you're in a more legal state, you know, I'm in Ohio, we still have medicinal and it's fairly recent. If you're in a Colorado, California, that's had cannabis for a long time, maybe less so. Uh, Do we have the power? Do you think they have the power and do... I'm going to really stereotype the stoner. Do they care enough? Or are they too busy smoking weed, Natasha? Are they too busy smoking <laughs> weed, eating their Funyuns? Uh, uh, I got to totally interrupt. It's a great question. I know. I had Funyuns for the first time in six years the other day, and they were amazing. <laughs> Stereotypes weekend, are true. So- yeah, I did just, too. I, I did too. All right. Serious <laughs> question. Do we have the power, and do stoners really care? And I say that lovingly, but do they really care right now to do what Dustin says or do what you say to step up and say, you need to be better? Because I don't know. Maybe. I don't know.
2: I think the notion of, of uh, having access and just being happy for what we have at this point is real, right? I can't pretend that that's not the case, but I think that's a matter of novelty. It's because it's mm. new. It's I don't think that has sustaining power, right? Mm. And I think mm. this is a multi-billion dollar industry because we have the multi-billion dollars to pour into it. <laughs> I think the way you shut this down is you don't play, I don't put my multi-billion dollars into the industry. Mm. Because at the end of the day, the other piece of this that's not sustainable is cheap, poorly made product that is put out there by people who don't understand it. That in and of itself, I don't care how lazy you are as a stoner, you're gonna be like, yeah, no, this doesn't work. This doesn't do anything. This is of no value. Why would I continue to put myself out there to spend much more exorbitant prices to something inferior? to line someone else's pockets. This is not like anything else some of these big businesses have seen. They don't have the dictating power that they do in other areas because at the end of the day, it remains on our shoulders to buy their product and we don't have to. We quite honestly don't have to. This is a difficult tube of toothpaste to put back in the tube. That's the other piece of it, right? Legalization Mm -hmm. isn't gonna roll back and it doesn't matter who steps into office or what players come to the game. It's not going to go away that easily. So, you know, checkmate. That puts us in a position (laughs) to say, yeah, we're not doing that. I think it also has to be said that not everyone has the same access. So not everyone is sort of resting in this place of I'm just happy to have what I have. Some people Mm -hmm. are still very much dealing with, yeah, I still can't get in the game. Like you're willing to take my money and let me be a consumer, but you're not willing to let me be an owner. And guess what? Yeah, I don't want to participate in this. Those are those are dollars that are lost, and I think um, artists like Rihanna, for instance, that have overturned her game, demonstrating that inclusivity and diversity is a strength and a power. Of yes, indication. and it
1: and it's it's and there's money behind it. It's all things. Absolutely, it's, I think you that's know, the thing
2: it teaches them that you know Victoria's Secret now has models that eat funyuns. You know why? Because Rihanna (laughs) showed them that models who eat Funyuns bring in money. So if all you care about is money, learn from that example. Understand that you're cutting off your own dollars by treating people the way you're treating them.
1: I keep thinking about what the heck a... Uh, a soap opera name for cannabis industry would be, like, these are the joints of our That's lives. The, <laughs> or... the joints of <laughs> our...
0: Okay, why is it always even, if whether it's chat GTP or whether it's Dustin, maybe you stole. maybe you ask for a weed joke. <laughs> it's always the pot puns. It's always the pot puns. It's always just, follow back on I'd be more like... Uh, like law and order like done done cannabis case of the week like i'd like to see people like oh that's a cannabis crimes cannabis crime unit these um, are the
2: splits of our lives yeah
0: i just
1: <laughs> i could totally just see me, me in the hospital bed like rolling up my joint real quick <laughs> real heavy music going on like damn there's a seed
0: i want like this real weird conversations like serious conversations where parents sit down like their adult age (laughs) child and they sit down and be like son we got to talk with you and but really, we noticed that cannabis you brought home, and I gotta tell you, it's very inferior quality. And I worry about your testing. And I'm looking at it like, do you even know what trichomes are? Did I not teach you? And then he gets really angry, and it's like, Dad, I don't know what to do. Right? It's no more. I learned it from you, Dad. It's teach me the ways. I ran out of steam on that joke halfway through. It was a good premise, right? Good to <laughs> right? It's tough to be. That's tough I, to be creative. That's why of you're an on strike, awesome-
1: people my favorite documentary of all time was on HBO in the nineties called middle school confessions. And it is exactly that. It's the parents having the conversations with the teens about the drug use. Like, Oh, my 10 year old stole this from the cabinet and this is what they're doing at the park, you know, but it is awesome. If you ever have a chance, watch middle school confessions. Middle school confessions. That's that's (laughs) a
0: tough thing to sell because those conversations are now, it's more about quality of product and those things. It's tough. And uh, price. There's that
1: weird thing of like, yeah, I understand this is shit product, but it's $60 as opposed to 200 and I only got $60. So I'm smoking the crap, you know, I, I, it's a, I don't, there's just, I don't know. I, I feel like I get to have that choice, but at the end of the day, when I walk in, I'm buying for the discount, I'm buying for the coupon. And does that necessarily mean that it's better for me in any way?
0: It's an interesting conversation the industry has, you know, as it grows up, as we talked about the business side of it and the dollar side of it. Uh but I think you know it's it's that's an interesting conversation because everyone always seems to say that cannabis consumers are gonna always fall back to quality. But me and Dustin both have had long, honest confessions on this show about how we shop for price. <laughs> right? Like I go to the no, dispensary, I go to my it's, website it's and I real. automatically sort low to high. Well, I think of it like and I'm taking know,
2: I think
1: Oh, go I on. No, no you're much down the road at the
0: repercussions
2: of this playing fast and loose with our health, um, we might not today, and we might not even see it in the next three, four, five years. But you know, you know those late night lawsuit uh, commercials, infomercials that you always hear. There's no question in my Mesothelioma. mind. Mesothelioma. You know, Mesothelioma.
0: <laughs> you work by in a Ford factory from 1972 <laughs> to 1976. You might have been exposed to right. this <laughs> chemical. Very specific thing. Right. But you we're gonna I have mean, like did you even baby cannabis?
2: powder is not safe. So if baby powder is not safe,
0: yeah. what do you
2: think Delta Z sold at the gas station is gonna do to us down the road?
0: I feel right? like you're missing an opportunity right now, Natasha. <laughs> you need to start advertising commercials. Have you smoked Delta Z in the between the year 2023, January and March? <laughs> did you know it contains penalized amine? We will solve your case for you right now. Class action lawsuits. Let's be one of the that's what I'm saying i get my bar exam through chat DTP just to be that guy. I could totally be a late-night infomercial lawyer uh, for that. Uh, we're talking with Natasha Andrews, Esquire, uh, N-A-B-C-L. Let's talk a little bit about that, about the National Association of Black Cannabis Lawyers and probably what you're doing with the EvergreenSolutions.com at Evergreen Solutions. You know, one of the things in your bio, which you can find in the comments below after you subscribed and bought Courage and Cannabis on Amazon, you know, is about trying to help, and you've mentioned it a couple times in the show here, trying to help... Get new ownership, trying to get representation of people who actually consume the product in that position, trying to get people from being arrested for simple possession, particularly young African-American men. So it's about trying to showcase power, right? showcase opportunity, showcase uh, you're missing the boat here. So just a little bit, I want to give a shout out to what you're doing with the NABCL and just going to talk a little bit about why you started it and what you uh, have going on there.
2: Absolutely, thank you so much for that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it was started because I was new to the industry. I was brand. New. I'm. I'm a baby in this industry myself, um, and I didn't know where to go for information. So, I. I went out to look for information. There's an overabundance of weeds. <laughs> no puns <intended. laughs>
0: All the puns you have Hold to me. get
2: through in order to get to substance, and it was a little bit overwhelming as an attorney who wanted to do good to try to cut through that, you know, law school has its challenges, but I promise you it pales in comparison to understanding the vocabulary of cannabis when you're, when you're <laughs> brand spanking <new. laughs> And so I wanted to find other lawyers that could sort of explain what's going on here. During conversation was a about lack of diversity in the industry, lack of diversity in the industry. And it didn't matter who you talked to, what they look like. Everyone could agree that in terms of ownership, there was a lack of diversity. And I looked around and I'm like, yeah, because there's a lack of diversity in the decision-making. <laughs> like you're looking at the end result, but if you have, you know, like you don't have diversity yeah. at the front end, you're not yeah. going to have it. At the, it's not going to just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah. I started having those conversations and I don't know, I'm a Jersey girl. Uncomfortable conversations don't bother me. I'm just like, whatever, you just forget about it. That's just,
0: you know, you just- No, it's clear, you've been awesome. We've really enjoyed this. You you are fantastic, Natasha. You got it. You got not just like spunk, but knowledge. You got the the brains and the brawn, as they say. Now I'm thinking
1: about not being allowed to pump my own gas and some tomato pies and stuff like that. Now I'm only thinking about the New Jersey and- that whole thing on. in New Jersey? Are you just still not allowed to pump your own gas? I last time I was there, no, I wasn't allowed. No, yeah. I was a. It was cheaper though. It was
2: before I pumped gas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is great. <a> <laughs> right, we are sidetracked, but that's a crazy. We're so not giving the NEBCL the credit they deserve. But that is so a weird thing to me. All right, uh, let's keep well, going. I don't know. That the, is. It, it's so weird though.
2: But I mean, I I had to have those uncomfortable conversations. It didn't take long for me to realize was something else at play, right? Yeah. There was history and stigma at play. So even today, I sometimes have difficulty getting attorneys to the table to have this conversation. A lot of people are kind of sitting back and waiting to see what will happen, right? And there's reason to have caution, you know, depending on how you stacked your cards in this deck of cards house that we're building. A lot of people have a lot to lose, right, by yeah. jumping in at this point. It's not for the faint at heart, whether you are a dispensary owner or you decide that you're going to bite the bullet and, and purchase from a dispensary. We're all kind of racketeering, you know, breaking the law and, and so on and so forth. So I, I understand the apprehension, but weighing the apprehension versus what happens if our voices are not heard, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, it's not a. It's it's no uh, mystery that if you are not given a seat at the table, that you either demand one or you're being served at the table. Shirley Chisholm said it to, to us many many years ago, and and it's very real. And honestly, there's a responsibility there. I can't expect someone else to speak up for my needs. I can't. Um, it's not a fair thing to ask. It's just not. Um, and it's also not realistic because you're always going to find that they didn't do it quite as well as you would. So mm. be there, <laughs> be in that conversation and do it or don't complain about it. At least attempt to do it, right? Sometimes people yep. will try to stop you from doing it, but if you just don't attempt to be in the conversation and you come about the conversation afterwards, no one's being helped by that. Um, so it became really important to me that I fight through the stigma, that I explain to people, I get it. I grew up very conservative. I was a dare ambassador as a kid. I <laughs> did I,
0: didn't I read know Wait,
2: about this. <laughs>
0: did I read somewhere? I don't this may be a spoiler alert in your book. Did are you like you didn't try cannabis. You came with you're a late in lifer. Am I correct in this statement? Like something like that? I, Very late (laughs) life. It
2: was before I saw cannabis. Yeah, that's what
0: I thought. Yeah. I I'm a pretty late lifer too, but I think Dustin, uh Dustin reads the books. I don't, I'm terrible. Uh he was telling me, he also did. Uh courage of cannabis (laughs) the triumphant stories. I believe this is in there as well. But yeah, you're a late in lifer to this. And it was a kind of that. Uh did you have a connection though, too? I think you had a personal family member uh as well. Is that right?
2: Personal family member watch go through a medical situation with a child and You know, it's it's outrage that brought me here, you know, outrage that people are still being deported, separated from their families permanently. Um, There's something that's not talked about often, but people who get deported and can't come back. That irritated me. People who are, you know, were good enough to put in jail and good enough to buy the product, but not good enough to own a dispensary. That pissed me off. People yeah. who have ailments of their own or they have family members where, well, because you live in this state, you know, good luck with living. But if you lived over here, <laughs> you know, you'd be fine because they have yeah. it. All of those elements are are a lack of equity. So for me, the equity isn't necessarily based on race. It certainly plays a huge part on it. But there are so many different inequities that kind of fuel mm-hmm. the fire that brought me to this space. And I knew that if I was going to be here on the planet, if I was going to have, if I was going to make eye contact with my five kids and have them look back and say, where were you when this fight was going on? If my answer was Netflix and chill, then I failed. <laughs> so I needed to, to do something and nobody else was quite doing this. And so I said, you know what, if it's just me and my cheerleader megaphone, then it's just me and my cheerleader megaphone. But at least I can say that I did something. Um, And I did something to demand a seat at the table. I did something to demand that multiple voices be heard. And I did something to demand that equity be part of legalization.
1: You are involved with so many various organizations and are constantly speaking and in this fight. How do you find that balance between driving change and, say, avoiding burnout because it's, it's so fast. It's such a hard fight. The burnout is real. This is my 13th year in cannabis as an industry developing stuff for it and being within it. And so not just smoking it and there was burnout a long time ago for me. Now the fight's even harder. The change is even faster and the burnout's more real. How do you help the various lawyers within NABCL kind of prevent that?
2: There is no balance. I am highly imbalanced right now. <laughs> I do, no Take sleeves, it out of context. I, just just not, I probably need some weight. I'm just not. I was going to say, but, you know, uh,
1: yeah. was, but, we you just know, talked with first and, man of the Rastafari <laughs> indigenous village and he had one, there was a very similar question that came up and it was like me personally, I was like, I never come down. I never, I never stop. I never turn off. And he's like, Listen, brother, like it's it's all one. You need to chill. Like this this living
0: experience is he did lecture us about our anxiety. He clearly <laughs> lived a different life. That's what I that's what we learned with talking to so, First Man from the Rastafari. You know, and I, hear, you know.
2: I hear from a lot of people about the burnout. So I know that yes. it exists, but that's what fighting is about, right? Like yeah. whenever you fight for something, you give while you can. I'm not saying that I'll be doing this 20 years from now, but right now I can, and I can't be focused on when I eventually get to burnout. Hopefully by the time (laughs) I get to burnout, I have replicated this fire and this energy in enough other people that I don't have to keep carrying it. Someone else will pick it up and run with it. That's just how I, I choose to approach this because I can't let the fear of burning out. I can't let the people who don't want me to say what I have to say. I can't let the people who have a different agenda stop me from doing what I'm doing because this isn't my charge. And I don't want to get all philosophical and religious, but- this Oh, you're about not, to drop the mic again, this
1: girl. Is not, yes. This is, it's this is
2: my, where it's at. I did not ask for this. I did not want this. I did not start this. This was started way before me and I was told to do it. And I'm, I'm moving in that, in that vein and in that lane. And when I can't, hopefully I'll turn around behind me and I will do nothing but smile because there will be legions of people doing what I'm doing. That's the whole point.
0: Love it. Love it. Right. I just love it. Uh, We're talking with Natasha Andrews Esquire, not too many other places to go after that. Uh, I am super happy as we start to wrap up the show, Natasha, uh, that you are out there fighting like you talked about you know you were you know, you out were there and you're, the one, to there doing and you're it. the one to do it i am super I am... excited for that aspect uh, of it right now natasha andrews esquire you know one of those things uh thank you very much for joining us today on the show i really appreciate you being here and going through all that you can check out all the links for NABCL, evergreen uh and more in the comments below we're super super happy that you were, we're here you were today here, natasha
1: oh thank you
0: thank you thank you, you thank, thank you, you. thank you all right you, one, one of those things, things we're, gonna go. we're gonna go uh there we go end the show properly everyone we had a wonderful show we had a few technical difficulties we worked through it with natasha got her back on to finish that amazing uh conversation just in time dustin kava thank you for having an awesome conversation this week don't forget to subscribe every wednesday brand new shows of because cannabis 420 p.m on youtube spotify video podcast anywhere you listen to audio podcasts every thursday don't forget check out plantsavemylife.com raven Ariola, talking plant-based medicine speaking of that shamans and priests and scientists alike dustin i'll see you next week uh looking forward to it sir oh i had a blast today thank you
1: thank you natasha thank you all the listeners i what a joy